podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya, quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un filet fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cop Table podcast, where tonight we are previewing the Merseyside derby, Everton versus Liverpool. This coming Saturday, first one of the season at Goodison Park. And um, joining me once again is Jay Riley. You can get Jay on Twitter at the Cop HQ if you want to give him a follow on there and regular with us on the Cop Table. So, how are you doing, Jay? Yeah, not too bad. Um, just obviously international breaks very difficult, isn't it? Because it's a bit of a boring time, isn't it? And although there's quite a lot of football to look at, it's not really the football that we enjoy. Obviously, the bread and butters, the the Premier League stuff, and obviously watching Liverpool, isn't it? And Liverpool, it's never nice, is it, going into an international break after such a well? Any defeat's never nice, is it? Because you you're stewing on it, aren't you, for a couple of weeks? But to lose in the manner that we did and to be massacred the way we were, which was a shock to the system. So, you know, you just want to really get back to, to playing games, really, and see if Liverpool, we, we can see a reaction from them. And, you know, it's been a tough couple of weeks, but, you know, looking forward to this game on Saturday. Yeah, and that's where we're going to start off, Jay. We're going to we're gonna pick the bones out of that 7-2 defeat by by Aston Villa. Um, my, own, my own thoughts on it was from the way go basically we just we wasn't at the races whatsoever but to go down to a, a defeat like that um go down, go out with a whimper if you like all over the pitch we just we just didn't seem interested there was no there was no fight was there there was there was nothing tactical there there, there was just basically nothing and we got like you said we got annihilated by a by an average Aston Villa side if you like you probably struggled to to finish in the top half of the table come the end of the season so just, just from your point of view, Jay, can you put your, your your finger on where you thought we went wrong against Aston Villa and your thoughts on the game as well, Jay? Going into the game, I, I, I was a little bit cautious, to be honest, because if you look back to last season when we played Aston Villa, and let's not forget, this Aston Villa team only just avoided relegation on the last day of the season. Um, but Liverpool's two games against them last season, I mean, if you look back to the game of Villa Park, Liverpool 1-0 down with three minutes to go and Andy Robertson equalised and then Sadio Mane got a winner in injury time and, you know, we're a little bit fortunate to get the three points against them, albeit Liverpool did control the game, but, you know, Liverpool went 1-0 down in that game and Liverpool controlled it but just couldn't really score and Aston Villa, if mem- memory serves me right, had a very good opportunity to make it 2-0 and kill the game off and just unfortunately for them they couldn't and then Liverpool went down the other end and as I say scored the two goals to to win the game and you know it was it was still a tight game though wasn't it when you think you know we only just about won and then you know after the restart we played Aston Villa of course we'd already won the league anyway so the game was pretty meaningless but it took us about 70 minutes really to get going in that game I thought at Anfield made a couple of substitutions and we did end up running out 2-0 winners but a far from convincing display and you know Aston Villa done quite well against us in the two games last season so going into this game 
they'd had a good start to the season, hadn't they? You know, they'd won two out of two. They'd also won two games in the League Cup as well. So going into the game, they, they, they were sort of like in a little bit of form. Um, and they hadn't conceded a goal in the Premier League either and made quite a quite a lot of signings in the summer and quite a, a few decent signings as well. I mean, they've gone from, as I said before, a team that you know just survived on the, the last game of the season, last season, to a team that could arguably finish in the top 10 this season. But you know, going into the game, you still didn't envisage Liverpool losing the game. I, I always thought it could be tricky to get the three points and you know maybe we, we could have drawn the game or something. You never know. And we didn't have ideal preparation going into the game because the, all the COVID-19 issues with Thiago and Sadio Mane and of course, then the news broke, didn't it? On I think it was Saturday evening about Allison having a, an injury in training. There was all the doubts whether or not he'd start the game, and it so happened that he, he's actually got a shoulder injury and he did miss that game. So that was a blow as well because you know, as I say, not ideal preparation when you've got the COVID issues going through the squad, and then obviously you've got your goalkeeper who comes down with an injury on the eve of the game. So. It wasn't ideal going into it, and because you know you, you know then you're missing a couple of key players going into the the, the actual match, that you, you do become a little bit more fearful. And yeah, Liverpool have got a great squad, and we showed last season that how, how good we really are. Um, you know, like I say, it's just one of them situations really where no matter how good you are, though, there's always that element of you know like doubt, is if you like, you know, in the sense that. You're looking at it thinking, well, we're out, like, what, three, four key players here for this game. So, you know, any team without that amount of amount of key players is going to suffer. Um, and, and so it proved. I mean, look, Adrian is, we've, we've said about it a few times in the past, he's a poor goalkeeper, but he's a number two goalkeeper. So when you have a number two goalkeeper, you're not going to have a world-class keeper there as backup because... The, no, you're not expecting them to play that often in a season. So basically, when he came to the club, you're expecting them to play maybe the League Cup games, possibly FA Cup games. But your number one goalkeeper, providing he can stay fit, is going to play all the Premier League games and all the Champions League games without a shadow of a doubt. But last season, we had a little taste of it with Adrian in goal because Alisson got injured on the opening day of the season. And I think Adrian played eight or nine games on the spin for us. And to be fair, you know we won all of them games you know, there was no complaints really. We won all them games. The only thing I will say is he didn't keep many clean sheets. I think he kept three clean sheets in nine games or something, which is not great, is it really? But, you know, it didn't do us any damage because we still went on to win them games of football. Um, but, you know, we had we had visions of it, didn't we, the back end of last season, though, where obviously he cost us in the FA Cup game against Chelsea because, you know, obviously a terrible error for, for I think it was Williams' goal. Um, and then, of course, in the Champions League against Atletico Madrid, in, in arguably our best performance last season, totally dominated the game. OK, we missed a few chances. But Liverpool were actually 2-0 up at the time when, when Adrian made his mistake and, and ultimately it cost us the game because the away goal and stuff. So he, he cost us in two competitions last year. So you're hoping this season that his game time is going to be very limited because, yeah, you know, the alternative was Carius, who obviously can probably never play for Liverpool again after his mistakes in Kiev in the European Cup final in 2018 in Kiev. So you're sort of like in a position where you're hoping and praying that Alisson stays fit and then, of course, he gets his injury. So 
who do you call? We have to call Adrian. So, look, going into the game, it's always a, an issue because he sets the tone in the sense that he doesn't really instill confidence in, in the back line, but then the knock-on effect is for the whole team, really. And I don't want to go on this podcast here and just completely and utterly blame him. But the thing is, he set the tone. That What was he doing? I mean, what, three or four minutes gone, you know, trying to pass the ball out into his own box? Like, a, what, what was he doing? I mean... It was just absolute lunacy, really. Um, and then we go one goal behind, and straight away the confidence levels drained from the team. Then, because for obvious reasons, you know, when your goalkeeper does that, you know, there's no confidence there in him. Um, as the game went on, I mean, look, you can't really fault him for, for most of the other goals because they, they weren't necessarily his fault. Um, you know, I, I tweeted the other day about it that incredible, really, when you think about it. I mean, they scored three deflected goals. I mean, you know, I'm not being funny not but that's unheard of. I mean, I think it was um, our mate Graham Kelly actually replied to my tweet and said that was 10,000 to one for, for there to be three deflected goals. I'm not sure where he got his information from, but, you know, 10,000 to one. So that just shows, yeah, you know, three deflected goals in a game is just, it's unheard of. And, and what didn't help Liverpool was, is, I mean... You normally find out the officials four or five days before the game. And when we realised it was going to be Martin Atkinson in charge of the game and also John Moss on the VAR, you know, they're probably the two worst officials that Liverpool could have. I mean, when you when you look at um, Martin Atkinson over the last two seasons, you know, Liverpool's percentage of, of, of drop points is, is absolutely massive. When he's been he's been in charge of the game, so you know we knew it was going to be tough going into it because you know when you you're up against it with the official as well, it's never easy. Um, but look, the, the 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 massive turning point for me was when Mo Salah should have had a penalty. John McGinn files him in the box, hundred percent penalty. Okay, fair enough. Martin Actor's not going to give as much, so maybe he could argue I didn't really see it. That should have been checked by VAR. Now, if that's checked by VAR, which I'm not sure it was or it wasn't, that's checked by VAR. John Moss gives a penalty. Whether it was or it wasn't, it was an absolute disgrace that we never got that decision. Now, look, that's that's me done moaning about the officiating and hard luck stories with the deflections and having Allison in goal. Let's get real, though. Liverpool's performance was an absolute shambles and Seven goals for Aston Villa, even though I've talked about the deflections, it didn't flatter them. I mean, Ross Barkley could have made his debut after his loan move from Chelsea. He could have had a hat-trick. I mean, he had a couple of one-on-one opportunities. Liverpool were absolutely all over the place. I've never seen a performance like it before. I mean, I, I honestly... Like can't remember, certainly under Klopp, a performance as bad as that. I mean, I know Liverpool have, have suffered losses in the past, 3-0 at Watford twice. Um, we lost 4-1 as well, didn't we, against Tottenham a few years ago, which proved to be a bit of a catalyst, really, and Liverpool went on to bigger and better things from that moment on. Um, we've, we've, been, we've suffered a couple of hidings against Manchester City, 4-0 after the restart, but again, a meaningless game. And also... Um, when we lost 5-0 to them as well a few years ago but we were down to 10 men after Sadio Mane being sent off so there's, there's sort of like been arguments at times for, for some of the reasons why Liverpool have suffered and lost heavily to teams but this performance was just absolutely freakish I mean this is the thing now with the way football is 
with no crowd, no fans there. Obviously, all the COVID issues. It's it's strange football at this moment in time, and there's no doubt fans play a part. And look, this was a game, so it's different if it was at Anfield because we were at the back and from from the crowds. But you know, there's no doubt about it that the adrenaline that the players get from the fans inside the stadiums, it's definitely having an effect on teams. You know, we've already established that playing away from home, let's be brutally honest about it, playing away from home, there's not really, you know, there's not really any advantage anymore. You know, you've got your small home comforts of your own dressing room, you don't have to travel very far to games, but in terms of atmosphere and, you know, pressure on officials or anything like that, there isn't them issues, is there? So basically, it's a great leveller now with there not being fans at the stadium. So, um, you know, it, it's strange times. It really, really is. And and we've seen that already with some of these results. I mean, Aston Villa 7, Liverpool 2. Where, where's that come from? Um, Manchester United 1, Tottenham 6. Um, we've, had, we've had Manchester City 2, Leicester 5. I mean, even West Ham 4, Wolves 0. Incredible scorelines. And, and this is it. There's going to be more of it to come as well. So, you know... Just, I don't know. It's a strange, strange situation, and it was a massive shock to the system. But look, I don't want to go on about hard luck stories too much because Aston Villa were fantastic. They exploited Liverpool. You know, any weakness we had, on it. We sort of had a good blueprint of how to play against us, really. And you know, people have gone on about the high line. Liverpool played the high line last season, and people didn't moan too much about it because we kept on winning games of football. Now all of a sudden we have started chipping a few goals. You know, we've seen it against Leeds on the opening day, didn't we? Three against them, um, and I obviously go back to last season as well. Three against Chelsea towards the end of the season, conceded four to, to Manchester City as well. So you know we have chipped quite a lot of goals lately, but this high line's nothing new. This, this, we played this system last season as well. Maybe teams have just got onto it a little bit more, but Aston Villa certainly exploited it, and they, they were well worthy of the three points. There's no doubt about that. But you know, as I say, it's just one of them situations that we've we've, we've had to stew on it for two weeks now. And you know, you, you're looking at this game going forward now, the Merseyside derby against Everton, and and. There's no doubt about it. We have to have a reaction, and I'm pretty sure we'll get one because Klopp and then players will be shocked as well. But sometimes in life you need a bit of bit of a kick up the backside, don't you? And, yeah. and you know that that's just natural, isn't it? You do in any walk of life, whatever it is that you do. And this Liverpool team a couple of years ago got that kick up the backside, didn't they? When we lost four one against Spurs at Wembley. In, you know when when Tottenham were playing the league games at, at Wembley and we lost four one, we got destroyed. A couple of mistakes by Lovren on the day, and he got hooked after about half an hour. And you know we lost the game four one. And you know hopefully this will act as as another kick up the backside that maybe this group of players needed because maybe they have become a little bit. I don't know. It's hard to really say. They seem a bit lax, don't they? I mean. People have said about like Van Dyke's made like quite a lot of mistakes really since the restart, and it's true he has. And look, he's my favourite player. He's an absolute Rolls Royce, and one of the, the the most key signings that Liverpool have made to go on and be successful and win the trophies that we have done because he's just fantastic. You know, we can play centre half on his own, in my opinion. But 
the thing is, he's made quite a lot of mistakes. He's certainly not above criticism. And, you know, sometimes his concentration levels, I don't know what it is, but something doesn't seem quite right. And I wouldn't say it's arrogance, maybe a little bit of overconfidence, but something just doesn't seem right. He needs to switch on and focus a little bit more. And, you know, he's not the only one, though. I mean, Joe Gomez was absolutely horrendous against Aston Villa. And to be honest, again, since the restart, he, he, he suffered. He's, he's really struggled. And, he went on that run, didn't he, where we he partnered Van Dyke for like 11, 12 games and he kept kept like 10, 11 clean sheets on the spin or something. And look, you know, we know there's a, there's a, there's a player there in Joe Gomez. He's still only young, 22, maybe 23 now. Mm. You know, you don't want to criticise him too much, but it was an absolutely horrendous performance. Um, and, and like I say, Adrian did set the tone, but other than that, you couldn't really moan too much about anything else in the game that he'd done. It's just that he, uns- he unsettles everything. There's no confidence in him. But Joe Gomez was the worst player on the pitch for me. He was absolutely shambolic. And, you know, looking ahead now, it seems like his confidence has shot a little bit. So what do you do? Do you, do you leave him out of the firing line for this derby game on Saturday? Or do you, mm-hmm. do you, do you stick with him and, and keep playing him? It's a tough one for Klopp to call, really, especially now where... Joel Matter back in training. Um and yeah, he hasn't had much of a pre-season, but he's back in training now. And you know, for instance, like the perfect opportunity is that is to throw him in because one of the centre half's not performing to the levels we know he's capable of, which is Joe Gomez. And like I say, I'm not just don't really want to just single him out though, because Van Dyke hasn't been great lately either. And and as I said just before, he's not certainly not above criticism and he's my favourite player, as you know, but you know, he's not performing either. So there's quite a few things, a few issues that need sorting. And if we know Jürgen Klopp, Jürgen Klopp is the type of manager where, you know, he's not afraid of making decisions like key decisions and changes. And I'm pretty sure he'll have a game plan for this game on, on Saturday against Everton. And he will, he will certainly tweak a few things going into this game. And yeah, personnel, I mean, it's great that Thiago and, and Mane are back in training as well. It's also great that Mo Salah never had an international break, so he, he's been training at Melwood, working with, with the players that are, you know that, that have stayed behind as well. So, you know, Liverpool may well be quite fresh going into the derby in quite a lot of aspects because also Andy Robertson, the, the Scottish captain, got suspended, didn't he, in the international, his last international game. So he's had sort of like this week off, if you like. Um, and and England England's in England's game against Denmark. I mean, Henderson, Gomez, and Trent haven't started the game, so that's a bonus as well. So you know, there, there is positives to look at. You know, going into this derby game, but we certainly need a reaction now because that seven-two defeat it, it's unacceptable, really. Um, regardless of it being freakish times, it was a freakish result, but we certainly need a reaction now because. You know, make no mistake, Liverpool are the champions and by far and away the best team last season. And I still think Liverpool will be the champions come May this season as well. You know, it's just one defeat's not going to change my mind on that. But, you know, when you look at the league table at the moment, our neighbours are actually top of the league. So, you know, we need to put them in the place and got a little bit of a score to settle there on Saturday. And although Liverpool, regardless of if we win the game, they'll probably still stay top because the goal difference is far superior now. You know, it'd still be nice to put them in the place and get the three points on Saturday. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? 
It's uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Get it, will Jay, and um, that's where we'll move on to the to the fixture on on Saturday. Before we we look at a team lineup, we'll just we'll just go through Everton's start to the season. Obviously, they've had a very good start to the to the to the season. I believe they've won all the all the games, picking up maximum points, and they've also won their um, their league cup games. Obviously, against the lower level teams, apart from from the West Ham one. So what what have you made of um, Everton this season? Obviously, they, they have signed a few players. I've need the likes of Rog, uh, James Rodriguez, Allen. Um, uh, there's another player they signed as well. Just escapes my mind at the moment. But what what have you made of Everton's start of the season, Jay? Well, look, I mean, you can't take it away from them. They've won four out of four and they've scored plenty of goals in in the process. Um, and and what's been key is the fact that yeah, okay, they, they played a couple of you know poor teams in the league cup. They also had West Ham in the league cup as well, which was a, a game at Goodison. And yeah, we said about no fans, but you know it's still them home comforts, isn't it? And West Ham played a little bit of a weakened team because you know obviously. It's not a competition. They, their focus mainly is on the league and trying to stay in the league. Someone like a West Ham, whereas you know Everton want to win a trophy, don't they? So you know Everton went strong in that game against West Ham. So they've they've built their confidence up by by winning comfortably and you know against quite a few poor poor opposition sides. Really, um, even if you look at the the Premier League games at home, they played West Brom and played Brighton. Won things five two and four two. So. They've built the confidence up, haven't they? Um, all the new signings, like of Alan, Decore, Rodriguez. Decore, that was the other one I missed. Yeah, they've, they've all built the confidence up, haven't they? Because they've played in in a, in, a, in a team that's just won games and constant, just game after game after game. So winning breeds confidence, doesn't it? And you're seeing that with Calvert Lewin because you know I've always thought he was a decent centre forward. He's coming for a bit of criticism in the past from Evertonians about not scoring enough goals. But this season he scored nine goals and two hat tricks. So you know you can't knock him really for that. And again, it's it's built his confidence up, regardless of the opposition who they've come up against. They've still beat them teams that have been in front of them, and they've, and he's scored goals. And it's like James Rodriguez. I was thinking when they signed him, it's a strange sign and that because I thought he was a little bit washed up. He's been at Madrid, what, six years, been out on loan two years at Bayern Munich and never really nailed down a place at either club. And, you know, you look at his appearances, I think he'd averaged around 20 games a season or something over the last six years. So you question, is his body cut out for football anymore? And what, why, what is the reason why this footballer, who was so highly regarded at a World Cup six years ago, has not really performed over the last six years. But then when you look deeper into it, every time he was selected to play or he did come off the bench to play, he always seemed to get an assist or a goal. So his stats are a bit misleading because even though he didn't play that often, he always produced the goods. But then you're trying to look deeper into it and thinking, how has he ended up at a club like Everton? No disrespect to them, but they're a mid-table English team. But it all comes down to one man, doesn't it? And it's the manager. Carlo Ancelotti is, you know, 
he's a well decorated manager, well experienced. He's won European Cups. He's been he's managed at the highest level in all the various different countries. He managed in this country in the past as well. So he's cut his teeth here already in the Premier League with with Chelsea back in the day. Um, obviously, we've had experience ourselves in European Cup finals against AC Milan. He's managed Juventus, PSG, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich. So his CV is is, is unbelievable, really. And you think. What's he doing at Everton? It's absolutely bizarre. And I, I still am in shock now, really, that he's Everton manager because you know they're just like our like little neighbours, aren't they? In the city, like you know, I, I just to me it, it's it's utterly bizarre. But it just goes to to show that in life money talks, and he's well paid. I think he's actually on more more money than than Jurgen Klopp, maybe around ten eleven million a year. So. You know, they've certainly put the red carpet out for them, shall we say, and, you know, put the money where the mouth is and they've, they've got the, the, the man in charge now and we're already seeing the difference, what a, what a difference a, a top quality manager will make. In the past, they've had like Koeman, I know he was a name, but he's never really done nothing in his managerial career. Um, You know, Marco Silva, Roberto Martinez and what have you, they, they never really achieved nothing, did they? Because they're not great managers, they're not big names. Koeman, as I say, was, as a footballer, but that's it. Um. Well, Ancelotti's CV, as I said before, is just incredible, really. And, you know, I always say this, it comes down to if you've got a good manager or not, because a good manager will work wonders with even an average group of players. We've seen it ourselves back in the day with Rafa Benitez, won as a European Cup with basically Julier's leftovers that, you know, weren't great. He added a few additions with Alonso and Garcia and what have you. And, you know, we won the European Cup. And that's because the manager was an absolute genius, a tactical genius at the time, back in the day. Football's evolved now and he's not the manager he once was. But you could say the same about Jose Mourinho as well. I've said it time and time again with him. But Ancelotti like, is, is, seems to have evolved with the game. So Everton have done really well getting him because you know he's a fantastic manager and you can't take that away from them. Um, and what you're also seeing now, he's stamping his authority on the team and on the club because he's made the signs that he's wanted to sign. So not only has he improved certain players, he's also got players on board that he's worked with in the past, like Alan at Napoli, like Rodriguez at Bayern Munich. So he has got players that he wants and you're already seeing it now. I mean, look, you can't go overboard with the, the praise and the, the wax and lyrical of them because ultimately... Really, they've only played Tottenham, haven't they? Uh, Tottenham's the only decent side that they've played on the opening day. Beat them 1-0 in a, in a pretty poor game of football, which could really have been 0-0, couldn't it? But Everton got the victory, got the three points, and it set the tone for them at the start of the season. And, you know, you don't want to take too much away from them because, you know, going to Tottenham and winning is still a good result because you've seen what Tottenham have done since then battered Southampton, battered Man United, battered a few teams in Europe. So, listen, you know, it's still a good result, but these shock results are going to happen this season and an and opening day of the season, he basically caught them cold and beat them 1-0 from a set-piece goal. I think it was Luca Dean ball into the box, great header by Calvert-Lewin. So, it is what it is and that's set the tone for them and it's built their confidence up and as I say, they've beaten poor opposition since then but, you know, they've absolutely smashed them. You know, put five past West Brom, four past Brighton, they put, uh, I think it was three past Salford, was it four past West Ham, five past Fleetwood. So, their confidence is up, the tails are up and they'll be confident and buoyant going into this game, this derby game and, 
it's mad because the irony of it is it's it's 10 years, a whole decade to the actual day that they last beat us in a Merseyside derby, which was at Goodison Park when they beat us 2-0. So, you know, it, it's got all the makings of, you know, Everton's first victory in a long time, hasn't it, if you look at it like that? Um, and especially on the back of Liverpool, confidence being dented quite a lot by the defeat by Aston Villa and not just any old defeat, an absolute hide. And so it's going to be very interesting. I mean, this is their biggest opportunity to beat Liverpool since... Well, January in the FA Cup when we played our kids against them. Um, but even if you look back to that game, it was in the first half, Everton could have scored three or four, really. And and this is the thing, what I'm, the, the, the bit of hope that I'm trying to cling on to going into the game with Adrian in goal. If you look back to the last season and, and that game in the FA Cup, Adrian was actually in goal that day. And he made three or four saves in the first half. I mean, look, mm. credit where credit's due. He made the saves. His positional sense was spot on. Some might say, and a few Blues that I talked to, it was poor finishing by Everton on the day because Richarlison had the chance where he hit it right at him. Mason Allgate had the chance where he headed it right at him. I'm not too sure who had the other opportunity. It might have been Calvert-Lewin. And everything at the eight went straight at Adrian. But you've got to give him a bit of credit. You can't just say, oh, he was lucky because they hit their effort at goal right at him. His positional sense was bang on. So so we do enough criticising of Adrian because he isn't a very good goalkeeper. But credit where it's due when he actually does put in a decent performance because he did in that FA Cup game. And that's what I'm trying to look at. That's the hope, the only bit of hope that I've got is that he actually played in that game when we won 1-0. But he also played in the game where we beat them 5-2 in, in the December time as well. If you remember the game before... Allison had been sent off against Brighton on the Saturday. That's right, yeah. And then the midweek game, we had to play Everton and he, he was suspended for it. So Adrian come in and, and look, he conceded two goals in that game. So, you know, obviously he didn't keep a clean sheet and he didn't have the type of performance he did in the FA Cup game. But thankfully Liverpool scored five on the night. But this is the thing I'm trying to look back to. Adrian's not going to be going into this game as a Merseyside Derby Virgin. He's going into the game as someone who's played in two and won two. So hopefully his confidence won't want to be knocked as much, you know, because of conceding seven goals. And, you know, that's what I'm trying to cling on to that little bit of hope that he's played in these games. And like I say, going into it, the Klopp will definitely tweak things. Now, look, there'll be a few personnel changes. There'll be, may even be a system change. He could potentially go for four two three one. He really could to try and control the midfield area a little bit more. Have two of them sitting. Um, he's going to have to do something. I mean, I don't think he'll totally change things because Liverpool have played the high line for what? Two seasons now? Um, I don't think he'll completely change it, but we do need to protect the defence and ultimately Adrian a little bit more than probably what we have been doing in recent months. And obviously, Alisson's been in goal when we've conceded quite a lot of goals. He was in goal for the game against Leeds. He was in goal for the game against Man City. He's in goal for the game against Chelsea when we conceded three. So this is not just down to poor being, you know, obviously having a poor goalkeeper between the sticks with Adrian. This is a, a team thing, this, and this is a defensive issues that Liverpool have got, deficiencies that are there, which is clear and obvious to see. So something needs to change, and I'm pretty sure it will. And I really am hoping for a reaction here on Saturday because, you know, it'd be, we, we like to call ourselves the unbearables, but, you know, just imagine that Everton 
you know, come what half two, three o'clock on, on Saturday afternoon, go six points clear of us, they'll become the unbearables then, won't they? So, you know, let's hope and pray that Liverpool can put a performance in on Saturday. And, you know, we have got superior players to them though. There's no doubt about that. You know, let's be brutally honest. Liverpool are the champions. Liverpool have got better players than Everton. You know, you look at Everton's group of players and Rodriguez has done really well. As I was, I was going on about before, I was, I'm, I'm a bit surprised that he's hit the ground running because I wasn't sure his body would be able to take to the Premier League. Um, but, you know, he's been brilliant. There's no doubt about it. He's added that little bit of stardust to that team. You know, Alan and Decore are workmanlike. The, they make the, the midfield a lot more solid and basically it enables the likes of Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin to basically look a bit better than what they have done previously. I mean, Richarlison's always been a good player for me, works really hard as well, scores goals. Um, but we know about Richarlison, we know about Calvert-Lewin as well. In my eyes, going into this game on Saturday, we need to basically control the midfield and starve the supply to Rodriguez. If he doesn't get on the ball, then we can deal with Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin because we've dealt with them in the past. It's all about Rodriguez for me and hopefully Liverpool starve him at the ball and if we do, then you'd like to think our superior players would come to the fore and then it's all about the likes of your Manes, the likes of your Salas, your Firmino's being clinical in front of goal when the opportunities arise. You know, there's no two ways about it. Liverpool will create opportunities. Everton have shipped quite a lot of goals this season. You know, as I say, two to Brighton, two to West Brom. Um, Couple in the, in the, in obviously they conceded against Palace as well in the, in the in the league game, but also you conceded a couple against Fleetwood in the, in the league cup as well as one against West Ham. So they've conceded goals. They've got a dodgy goalkeeper as well. Don't forget Jordan Pickford, little arms as we say. He's he's absolutely terrible goalkeeper. He's been making mistakes this season as well. So again, Liverpool are going to get chances. They're going to get opportunities and openings. And it's all about being clinical in front of goal. And hopefully we will be on Saturday. Okay, cheers, Jay. Yeah, and just looking forward to the game um, on Saturday. We've got a few players now back from um, from injury. Have me, Mane, Thiago, like you said before, Joel Matip, back from uh, injury as well. So, just give us your thoughts on a starting lineup um, at Goodison Park on uh, Saturday, please, Jay. Massive dilemma for Klopp. I mean, I've heard people saying, "Oh, will he really start Thiago?" He's got to start Thiago. I mean. You know, Klopp doesn't like the international break because of all the travelling that's involved and certainly the South American players because, you know, it's long, long haul journeys from like South American countries. We've had it, obviously, uh, the Brazilian lads are coming back from Peru, aren't they? Um, and of course, you know, Everton have still got them same issues as well because they've got, is it Chile where they're coming back from their Colombian players like Yeri Mina and James Rodriguez and also the Charleston Brazilian with the likes of Fabinho and Firmino coming back from um, Peru. So we've, Klopp hates that because it's lack of pre- preparation time. You know, they probably have one and a half training sessions maybe before the Derby game. It's not ideal, is it? Not ideal preparation at all. So, the thing with Thiago, he hasn't been away with international, hasn't been away with Spain at all because he was obviously in, in quarantine because of the COVID-19 issue that he had. So now he's been at Melwood training all this week leading up to this derby game. So to me, it's an absolute no-brainer. You've got to start Thiago because he's a tempo setter. He's a game. He's a controller of, of, of the game. Do you know what I mean? So you've got to play him. He's, he's a world-class superstar footballer. So 
it's a no-brainer that Thiago's got to start the game. And and like I say, Henderson as well, he's the captain for a reason. And we've, it's been very evident over the past 12 months or more, when he doesn't play, Liverpool struggle because he he's just got that aura about him. You know, he, he drags the team by the scruff of the neck, which being criticised for in the past for not doing because he was liking too much to taking over the mantle of Steven Gerrard, used to do it all the time. But now you see with Henderson, he actually does do that now. Took a bit of time to get to that level, but he actually does do that type of thing, what Gerrard used to do. Um, so he's an important player as well, and he is is back fit and available now. Hasn't played for England in this last international game against Denmark, so which is a good thing from our point of view as well, because you know he hasn't been overused in international the international break. Um, so so them two for me have got to start in midfield. Um, Sadio Mane being back's great because. Without wanting to go back over at the Villa game, if Thiago and Mane don't have COVID-19 and start that game against Aston Villa, we don't lose that game. 100% we don't lose that game. No matter how bad the performance was, if them two were in that starting lineup, we won and lost that game. So this is the thing, to have them back is fantastic. And, and look, Mane's been back training as well. He's been back training at Melwood for a week. So there's no reason whatsoever, no excuses in my opinion either, for them to, to not start this game on, on Saturday against Everton. And as I say, Jordan Henderson as well. So there's another one. So there's three players that didn't play in the game against Villa that, to me, will should all be starting this game against Everton. Now, some might say it's a bit harsh on Jota because Jota, played, he was one of the, the shining lights, shall we say, in the Villa game. A bit harsh on him to maybe lose his place. But you know what Klopp's like? He, he likes to tried and trusted so the front three are going to start the game. There's no doubt about it. People are being calling for Firmino to be dropped. He's not going to drop Bobby because it's it's not just about yeah, his, his, his input or his output, shall we say, in terms of goals scored is poor. He scored two in 20 games. Shocking for number nine. But it's everything else that he gives to the team and he knits the team together and it's his work ethic and you know pulls defences apart, centre-halves out of position. It, it's his link play as well. So it's not just about like his goals. I mean, I've, I've criticised Firmino in the past for the lack of goals. It's not enough. He does need to score more. But he what he does is role in the team. It enables the likes of Salah and Mane to be a bit more selfish and score the amount of goals they score because they get 20, 25 a season. I mean, obviously Salah scored 40 before in the past, but it's the unselfish work that Firmino does that goes a little bit unnoticed by some fans. But, you know, it's there clear as day that them three together are unbelievable machine-like. They're such depressed from the front. And it's, it's basically... That's that's where Liverpool's. It's so hard. That's why it's so hard to get going and to play against Liverpool. Not many teams can control games against us when them three are playing because they press from the front and we just end up winning the ball back. And then you know if you've got Henderson in there doing it as well, you know we're a different animal when we're at full complement. There's no doubt about that. So this is the thing. You know Liverpool will be pretty much full strength other than the goalkeeping department. So. That's what I'm trying to cling on to a bit of hope that, yeah, OK, Everton's tails are up to confidence. But look, Liverpool have got players coming back and, and I'm pretty much expecting all three of them that I've just mentioned there to start the game. The, the dilemmas for me, I mean, obviously you're going to have Robertson playing left-back, Trent right-back, Van Dijk centre-half. The dilemmas are who's the third midfielder going to be and who's going to partner Virgil van Dijk. Now, what, what do you do? Do, do you... You basically stick with Joe Gomez, stick it out and say to him, listen, 
you know, I know you, you struggled in the last game, but we know what you're capable of and, and you know, go again with Virgil or you put Fabinho in there because if you're going to play Thiago and you're going to play Henderson, do you really need Fabinho in there as well? So maybe put Fabinho centre-half with Virgil because it worked a treat against Chelsea, but then the flip side is just because it worked against Chelsea doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work against Everton. And also the fact that Look, Fabinho's a central midfield player. He's one of the best defensive midfield players in world football. So you're taking him out of his position where he's world class to putting him in a position that he's just, you know, he's able. You know, he can play there, but it's not his position. So it is a dilemma because, you know, if you go with Fabinho, Thiago and Henderson as your midfield three, you know, some might say it's, where's the creativity there other than Thiago? I mean, Thiago's brilliant, we know that, but... You need like a bit of a midfield runner, don't you? At times, and then the questions are asked of Naby Keita or Genie Wijnaldum, because regardless of what anyone thinks of Wijnaldum, he, he is basically Klopp's go-to man. He he, he plays him, he, he trusts him in the big games, doesn't he? Um, in terms of Naby Keita, for me, still flatters to deceive. I'm not totally convinced by him. I mean, he's improved. He did improve when the restart took place, um, got a little bit better. But again, I'm just not sure Klopp really trusts him, certainly not in the big games. Um, so on that basis, you're looking at it thinking, to me, it, I, I wouldn't be starting Cater in this game. I really wouldn't. So it's going to be a toss of whether he, he plays Fabinho in the midfield or Gini Wijnaldum plays there and Fabinho drops back. Also, you've got to consider the fact that Fabinho's coming Travelling from South America, which again, as I said before, Klopp doesn't really tend to like it when players have, you know, they've had the long haul journeys from the international break. I know the same applies with Firmino, but the thing is, as I said before, Firmino's a key player in this team for the dynamics of how the team works. And, you know, I really, really would be surprised if, if, if Bobby sat this game out because he's integral to the way Liverpool play and the way we press from the front. Um, so there is quite a few. Um, dilemmas for Klopp to decide and and as I said before he's going to tweak things well he, he could very well change the system to a 4-2-3-1 in which case if he if he did 4-2-3-1 to me it's a no-brainer to play Thiago and Henderson as the two and then it's who you play sort of like in the 10 role because when we've played it in the past Shaqiri started and, and obviously Salah's gone as the number nine and Bobby's dropped deeper I personally would just leave Bobby as the number nine and also leave Salah out wide the way he does, like as, as a wide forward, and then have someone else as the number 10. Now, if you're going to toss up who's going to play as the number 10, I mean, look, you know, Minamino could play that role. Naby Keita could also play that role, even though I've just said I wouldn't start him in this game. But Gini Wijnaldum could also play that role, you know, because if you look at some of his performances that he's had for Holland, for his national team, he's actually been a goal-scoring midfielder for them. So he's got a few strings to his bow in terms of positions that he can play in, you see. So I just think it's a it's a massive dilemma for Klopp. Um, in the past, he's gone weak against Everton and it's, it's worked wonders because we beat them with our kids in the FA Cup. We beat them with a makeshift team in the game in December when he played Shaqiri, Lalana, Origi and all that and left some of the, the, the big boys out and you know, Liverpool put five past them. This is a different animal now though because the top of the league, they're full of confidence. They've got a couple of star players now. They've got a proper manager in charge. So I don't think he'll make any crazy decisions in terms of team selection. But... 
there could be a few tweaks, as I said before, and certainly could do a system change. Because if you look at Ancelotti, he's gonna he's not soft. He's not gonna think, well, yeah, we've we've scored goals for fun so far this season, so carry on regardless. We're coming against Liverpool, so what? They're champions. We'll fight fire with fire and go toe to toe. He's not that stupid. He's gonna look at them games in the Champions League when he was manager of Napoli for them couple of seasons, and listen. They were some of our really t- the toughest games Liverpool have faced under Jurgen Klopp. You know, we lost twice, didn't we, in Naples, and we beat them one 0 at Anfield. Mo Salah to get us through to the next stage. And if you remember back to last season, we had to do one one against them at Anfield. So every single game we've had against has been really tough, really tight, really intense. Um, and and I'm not not to say he's got the Indian sign over Klopp tactically or anything like that, but I just think. Ancelotti will look at them games and how he's set up with the, the, that Napoli team. And I think Klopp needs to sort of like, in a way, try and outfox him. So it could very well end up being where he needs to do a bit of a system change, a formation change to a 4 2 3 1. Because we've always played 4 3 3 against the Ancelotti teams. And it hasn't really worked that much because we won one out of four games against them. So I think there could be a potential for them to do a system change. But of course, as I say, Liverpool. Liverpool teams that have faced Ancelotti's Napoli didn't have Thiago Alcantara in the midfield so he to me could be the, the, the main man in this game and he could be the one that gets Liverpool the three points Yeah most definitely as he um, as he showed in his, his debut game against Chelsea when he came on and made the uh, the record most passes in, in a 45 minute uh, half and just looked absolutely brilliant on the ball didn't he and pass, passing the time Times was um, exquisite, just just phenomenal on the ball, and yeah, I think he will he will make a big difference uh, for this Liverpool side on on Saturday. So yeah, just uh, just before we go, then Jay, let's do our score predictions, and uh, you can go up first with uh, your derby um, scoreline prediction, please. Look, I, I do expect a reaction, and you know we've had it in the past where Liverpool have, have suffered, and then all of a sudden the next performance has been superb and you know look it's not ideal preparation international breaks always a, a difficult time because you haven't got much opportunity to work with the players but as I said before when you've got the likes of Thiago and Mane and even Mata back now and Salah hasn't gone away international duty Liverpool have had a little quite a the nucleus of players who are probably going to start the game are there at Melwood training so it's not too bad like to Henderson Trent Gomez Robertson, they've all had like, you know, basically a break now this week. The, the last played at the weekend's gone. So it's not the end of the world. It's not too bad, really, in terms of being overworked and stuff. And so I, I just think going into this game, it's it's vital that Liverpool win. Normally you would say a Goodison a draw is not the end of the world because it's a, t- it's a tough place to go, no doubt about it. They haven't won a derby game for, what, 10 years? But if you look back over the last seven games, I think it is a Goodison. Liverpool have actually only won one. There's been six draws and a lot of them draws have been nil-nil as well, by the way. Um, and the one victory Liverpool did have was an injury time winner by Sadio Mane. So it's not like it's a happy hunting ground for Liverpool. It really isn't. You know, regardless of going there 10 years unbeaten, I think we've won two in them 10 years. So look, a draw would normally be okay at Goodison. But on this occasion, bearing in mind the league positions at the moment, even though after four or five games, you'd only really look at the table after 10 normally, notoriously. But it's still not nice seeing them above us and seeing them top of the three. 
And also, what's not good is, obviously, if you've just suffered an absolute hiding to a team in the lower regions of the table or who you'd expect to finish, like maybe top 10 at best. So, Liverpool really do need to win this game just, just as a little confidence boost and a little bit of a lift, really, for, for everyone. You know, the players, but also the fans, because we've just had to stew on that absolute hiding there by Aston Villa. And we're not used to losing. And certainly not used to losing by that type of scoreline. So, look, Liverpool have got to win this game. I mean, there's always pressure on derby games anyway, but to me, there's there's added pressure now because we cannot afford to lose this game. And, and as I said there, a draw is normally OK, but to me, it's not. A draw is not OK now after, you know, falling behind a little bit and failing to capitalise on Manchester City's poor start. So, Liverpool have to win this game. There's no doubt about it. And I just think... We'll be focused more going into it, and I just think we'll control the midfield area. Certainly, if Thiago starts the game in Henderson, um, and as I said before, we really do need to starve Rodriguez, make sure he doesn't get on the ball. Um, and if Liverpool can manage to do that, then look, you're going into the game with Adrian in, in goal, so I fully expect somewhere, somehow, Everton are going to score in the game, so Liverpool are going to need to score two to win. But if you remember when we done the podcast the other week, I did predict that you know Liverpool, I think we'll have too much for them, regardless of their good start, and they've, they've signed a few good players now. I just think Liverpool's players are far superior. With the champions, we need to make a statement. Liverpool you know, want to go back-to-back, we want to be champions again. And I just think it starts, this this match starts again on Saturday and I'm going to go for the scoreline of Everton 1, Liverpool 3. OK, so a 3-1 scoreline in the favour of Liverpool for Jay. OK, just my own thoughts on a, on a, the scoreline and I, I think this uh, game's going to play out in, uh, on Saturday midday at Goodison. Like Jay says, yeah, we're coming up against the team uh, in Everton who, who are in form. Um, but they haven't played any of the, the so-called big boys, if you like, yeah. Uh, and I just think that Liverpool, after conceding them seven goals against Aston Villa, then somebody's going to get a backlash. And like Jay also says, Klopp's been stewing on this for the, for the past couple of weeks. And I also should imagine that the players would have been doing exactly the same and they'll want to get that result out of their, their systems as, as quickly as possible and, and get back to winning ways, which is also why I think Liverpool will go on to win this game. Um Adrian in goal is not the is not ideal situation, is it, with um, with Allison being out and he's he's made a lot of mistakes. So I agree with Jay. I think we will will concede um against Everton on the on Saturday and but I also think that we will score at least a couple of goals. So I'm I'm gonna go with a two one score line for Liverpool in this game. I think we'll we'll have a little bit too much in um a little bit too much power and a little bit too much class for this um, for this Everton team. We've had a great start, don't get me wrong, and I just think that this is the game where where they can be brought back down to earth and see see the standard of uh, team that they that they're aspiring to, if you like. Um, and that's what the Liverpool team are at the moment. The champions going there, and I go, I'm going to go with a two-one scoreline in the favour of Liverpool for this game. <clears throat> so. Just before we go, I always say a big thanks to Gav and the LSC Day Tippers for editing our podcasts. Also, uh, a big shout out to Paul Bentley, Lee Butler, all the people involved with the No More Knives campaign. Been supporting us from the start, and we, we uh, always give them a shout out and encourage people to get behind their, their campaign. 
pain with uh, the elimination of knife crime on the Merseyside area, and just also with the lockdown that, that's coming into the into the Liverpool and surrounding areas at the moment. Everybody just uh, stay safe, uh, look after each other, and um, yeah, just all, all um, keep your heads up and and keep going through this tough time. So yeah, thanks very much. Uh, everybody for listening and uh, thanks a lot for joining us again Jay No problem let's hopefully it's uh, Merseyside's red on, on Saturday Fingers crossed mate yeah let's hope it, it is that way Okay so that's the Cop Table podcast of the Merseyside derby all done and uh, we'll be back with uh, another po- podcast very soon Thanks very much for listening and uh, goodbye People say treat yourself like you need a reason but McDonald's treats are perfect for every day like bold McCafe iced coffee. Get any size for $1.69. Or pick up any size sweet tea for a dollar. The largest served in an insulated cup that keeps your tea cold. Feeling a little extra something something? Try the classic bakery sweets like an apple fritter. With so many ways to treat yourself, you don't need an excuse. Just come back tomorrow. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Sports Social Podcast Network.